Tonight, God's Word comes to us from the prophet Hosea. We're going to be reading Hosea chapter 1 and then also chapter 3. That is found on page 953 in the Bibles in front of you. Hosea chapter 1, beginning at verse 1, what we hear now is God's Word. The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, the son of Eri, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take to yourself a wife of whoredom, and have children of whoredom. For the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. And the Lord said to him, Call his name Jezreel, for in just a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. And on that day I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. She conceived again and bore a daughter. And the Lord said to him, Call her name No Mercy, for I will no more have mercy on the house of Israel to forgive them at all. But I will have mercy on the house of Judah, and I will save them by the Lord their God. I will not save them by bow or by sword or by war or by horses or by horsemen. When she had weaned No Mercy, she conceived and bore a son. And the Lord said, Call his name not my people, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people, it shall be said to them, Children of the living God. And the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered together, and they shall appoint for themselves one head, and they shall go up from the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. Say to your brothers, you are my people, and to your sisters, you have received mercy. And now turning over to chapter 3, we read just the five verses there. And the Lord said to me, go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and an omer and a latex of barley. And I said to her, you must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore or belong to another man. So I also will be to you. For the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or household gods. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they shall come in fear to the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, as I mentioned this morning, tonight we are starting a new series of sermons, a series on the minor prophets. And it is my intention uh, in this series to give one sermon 
to each of the minor prophets. There's obviously more we could study, so it won't be quite an in-depth study like we have done in some books in the past, but one sermon per minor prophet. I choose this for a number of reasons. <clears throat> one is, um, in general, there's relatively little known about the minor prophets. In fact, I was uh, tempted tonight uh, to do a little test. I was tempted to, to have us all stand up. Now, don't do that, but to have us all stand up and to start naming the books of the Old Testament. And when you got stuck, you'd have to sit down. So we'd start with Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, everyone's standing yet, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, okay, we're still good. Eventually we would get to the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, people still standing yet, really good. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. And I was wondering how many of us would still be standing. I'm not sure I would if I didn't have my notes in front of me. <laughs> we don't tend to know a lot about the minor prophets. They are called minor, um, not because of their message. It was St. Augustine who called them minor because of their size. They tend to be rather small and minor in comparison with the major prophets, the prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah. Isaiah with 66 chapters in the book. Tonight we look at Hosea, the longest of the minor prophets, and this only has 14 chapters, many of them only two or three chapters. And so I would encourage you as we go through this series, again, about one prophet per week, they're fairly quick to read. Uh, this is a wonderful way to spend a Lord's Day afternoon uh, to prepare for the evening service. Just give yourself a little time and read through the prophet of that day. The prophets um, ministered at a particular time in the life of Israel. Now they find themselves at the back of the Old Testament. And so we tend to think of them as late in time. But as we read in the very first verse, uh, Hosea comes during the time of Uzzah and Jotham and Ahaz and Hezekiah and Jeroboam, during the time of the kings. The minor prophets come only a few years after Elijah and Elisha, who we studied not so long ago. Uh, they are not in strictly chronological order. These 12 prophets, not strictly in chronological order as they find themselves in our scriptures, but there is some chronology here. And that is that the first nine, the first nine of the minor prophets happen before Israel goes into exile. We refer to them as the pre-exilic Prophets And the last three, Haggai and Zechariah and Malachi, come after the exile. So there's a break in time between prophet 9 in our scriptures and prophet 10. They are somewhat chronological, but only in that broadest sense. The message of the prophets is a message of God's sovereignty, of God's holiness, and of God's justice, and the warning to God's people to follow him, to follow this great God. 
We often think of prophets as those who foretold the future. That wasn't their message so much as simply to declare the word of the Lord. Follow God and who he is. You know, kids, if I asked you, what is the prophet Nahum about? And I bet if you thought about that for a little bit, you'd give me a really good answer. And you would tell me, Nahum is about Jesus. And you would be right. Nahum is about Jesus. Now, if I asked your parents, how is Nahum about Jesus? That might take just a little bit more thinking. But that's what we're going to see as we look at the minor prophets. Yes, they find themselves in the Old Testament. But we have here a beautiful picture of the gospel in the minor prophets. They speak of God's love and grace and mercy toward his people. The prophets very often lived their message. It was a very hands-on thing to be a prophet. We think of the prophet Jeremiah who was told to take this linen sash and to wear it for a while and then bury that linen sash and then he dug it up again. He, He lived his prophecy as a picture of what Israel was looking like. We think of the prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel was told to build a small city uh, like the people of Israel and and to literally lay siege to that city. Ezekiel laid on his side for 390 days. That's over a year, kids. 390 days he laid siege on the city and then was told to do 40 more days on the other side. The prophets lived their message. And we see that in Hosea as well. He lived the message God wanted Israel to know. When we think of Hosea, the first thing that comes to our mind should be a marriage. Hosea is the prophet whose marriage speaks his message, which is why I've called tonight's sermon Hosea, the prophet of God's love. In Hosea, we are once again confronted with the amazing, amazing love of God for his people. Even though they are fallen, even though they are sinful, Hosea speaks of God's love. The prophecy begins by God telling Hosea he is to get married. Verse 2, when the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, go Take to yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. Go and get married. That's God's command to Hosea. He's going to live out a prophecy, go and get married. I'm not going to go into all the reasons why I believe this to be the case. That's more of an exegetical matter. But what's going on here? is not that Hosea is going out and finding a wife who is currently adulterous. What God is commanding him to do is to go and find a wife who will become an adulteress. Again, I'm not going to go into all of that. If you want to know, we could talk more about that later. That's kind of an exegetical matter. The marriage begins good. The marriage begins with Hosea marrying this woman, but but he knows that she will eventually commit adultery against him. Hosea and his wife are a picture 
of God's relationship with his people. God comes to his people, chooses his people who have not yet been disobedient to him, and the marriage starts well. God would be the husband to his people, his wife. And yet they would depart from the glory of that wonderful husband. Gomer, the wife, leaves Hosea. And we did not read chapter 2. You might want to read that later. It describes in, in terrible detail how Gomer would go after other men. She would, she would leave her husband and go after other men, just like Israel would leave their God and follow after other gods. A picture of unfaithfulness. A picture of forsaking the Lord. We have a few specific examples of that in the book. If you want to, you can turn to chapter 8 in Hosea. Chapter 8, we read this. Set the trumpet to your lips. One like a vulture is over the house of the Lord because they have transgressed my covenant and rebelled against my law. To me they cry, my God, we, Israel, know you. Israel has spurned the good. The enemy shall pursue him. They made kings, but not through me. They set up princes, but I knew it not. With their silver and gold, they made idols for their own destruction. I have spurned your calf, O Samaria. My anger burns against them. How long will they be incapable of innocence? For it is from Israel, a craftsman made it. It is not God. The calf of Samaria shall be broken to pieces. In their worship, in their worship, they would leave the one true God. And, and, and the amazing thing we read here is they thought they were doing it right. They say, God, it's Israel. We know you. We know you. Yet they were not listening to God. They were not worshiping as he has commanded them. And so he comes and he warns them. My anger burns against you. The, the, the God you have made is not God. The calf of Samaria shall be broken to pieces. This was done, uh, verse 4 says, for their own destruction. It was their own fault. They left the way of God. They, they forsook their husband and went after their own ways. Israel leaving God in their worship. The leadership leading God. If you go back a few chapters to chapter 5, Chapter 5, the first few verses there. Hear this, O priests, pay attention, O house of Israel. Go give ear, O house of the king, for the judgment is for you. For you have been a snare at Mizpah and a net spread upon Tabor, and the revolters have gone deep into slaughter, but I will discipline all of them. I know Ephraim and Israel is not hidden from me, for now, O Ephraim, you have played the whore. Israel is defiled. In their leadership, they turned away from God. The priests, the kings, all of them forgetting God's ways, forgetting the love he had for them, and going their own way. And God will come in judgment upon his people. From chapter 4 and verse 6, Chapter 4, verse 6, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I reject you from being a priest to me. And since you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. The punishment God would bring upon them. And the amazing thing is, just like Hosea knew that Gomer would become an adulterous wife. God said that. 
marry a woman of whoredom. He knew she would become an adulterous wife. God knew before he chose Israel. God knew they would be unfaithful to him. Back in the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 31, you have to turn there right now. Deuteronomy 31, verse 15. And the Lord appeared in the tent in a pillar of cloud, and the pillar of cloud stood over the entrance of the tent. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, you are about to lie down with your fathers. Then this people will rise and whore after the foreign gods among them in the land that they are entering, and they will forsake me and break my covenant that I have made with them. Then my anger will be kindled against them in that day. And I will forsake them and hide my face from them, and they will be devoured, and many evils and troubles will come upon them. So they will say in that day, Have not these evils come upon us, because our God is not among us. And I will surely hide my face in that day, because of all the evil they have done, because they have turned to other gods. God knew. God knew Israel would be unfaithful to him. And yet he enters into a loving relationship with them. And so God comes in the prophet Hosea. And God comes to warn Israel. Warn them lest they do be taken away in judgment. And the warning comes by way of the children in the marriage. These children are given rather unusual names, kids. But these names are symbolic They're part of the prophecy. Hosea lived the prophecy God called him to bring. From verse 3, So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. And the Lord said to him, Call his name Jezreel, for in just a little I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. And on that day I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. Now we're not going to go back and look at all the history of what happened at Jezreel, just to put it very shortly. A Jezreel was a change in the kingship, a change in the chosen line. A certain line of kings would be cut off, and it was called Jezreel because Jezreel means scattered. The king would be cut off, and the people would be scattered. And so God comes and says, call your son Jezreel as a warning to God's people. They too would be scattered. God would remove his king from over them, his protection from over them, and they would be scattered among the nations. Call your son Jezreel scattered. We read in verse 6, and she conceived again and bore a daughter. And the Lord said to him, call her name No Mercy, for I will no more have mercy on the house of Israel to forgive them at all. Call her No Mercy. If they would not heed the warning of Jezreel, the warning of being scattered, the second child comes. A warning that if they did not return, there would be no mercy for them. God would come in judgment upon his people. No mercy to forgive them at all. Although there is this bit of hope in verse 7, but I will have mercy on the house of Judah. I will save them by the Lord their God. I will not save them by bow or sword or war horse, but I will save them. There would be a remnant of God's people who were kept. 
Yes, many would be scattered. Many would receive no mercy. But God would hold on to a remnant of his own. And then that third child comes. Verse 8. When she had weaned no mercy, she conceived and bore a son. And the Lord said, call his name, not my people. For you are not my people, and I am not your God. It just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. First, Jezreel, you will be scattered. You will receive no mercy from me, and beyond that, you will not be my people anymore. These children are born. Hosea lived the prophecy to warn Israel to turn from their wickedness, to turn from their fallen ways, not to reject the Lord their God, not to reject their husband, not to be like Gomer who would go off and be adulterous. First, they would be scattered, then there'd be no mercy, and finally, not my people. God would remove his presence from them. The warning of God in the marriage of Hosea, in the children that are born to him. And his wife will leave him. Chapter 2 describes that, how she will go after many other men. It's a terrible, terrible story until we get to chapter 3. And there we see an amazing work of God between Hosea and Gomer. After Gomer leaves, belongs to many other men, this word of the Lord comes to Hosea. The Lord said to me, go again. Love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods. Go again and show your love. To this woman, to this woman who had forsaken you, who had given herself to many other men, go and love her again. This woman who had lived a terrible life, go again and love that woman. A picture of God's relationship with his people. Israel, a picture of God's relationship with us. Though fallen, though sinful, though often going off our own ways, God once again shows his love to us. God once again and renews the relationship with us. He is still our God. He is still our husband. He is still the one who loves us. And the amazing thing is, God tells Hosea to do this while she is still in her sin. Doesn't wait for Gomer to clean herself up first. But he goes to her and seeks her out and shows his love once again. Isn't that exactly what God does for us? The love of God does not wait for us to clean ourselves up, but while we were still sinners, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. The amazing love that God has for his people, for his bride. Even though she is fallen and sinful, he shows his love once again. We read in verse 2, So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and an omer and a latex of barley. 
Gomer, this woman who would sell herself to anyone, is now being put on the auction block, as it were. A spent woman, a used woman, who would bid anything for a woman like this? And yet Gomer says, I will pay 15 shekels of silver. Huge price. A huge price for this used woman. And he is her husband. The love that God calls him to show her. Paying this huge price for one who who rightly belonged to him already. And yet paying this huge price to show his love once again. I bought her for 15 shekels of silver. The love of God that he shows for us, his people. And the price, the price that he paid to purchase us. We who were fallen, we who were sinful, we who had given ourselves into our sin, who would pay anything for these people? And God comes and pays the price with the blood of his own son for fallen, sinful mankind. The amazing love of God to show us his love once again. And as God shows us his love, he restores us to fellowship with him. Look what what, uh, Hosea is told to do. Verse uh, 3, and I said to her, you must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore or belong to another man. So will I also be to you. He buys her, but does not treat her as a servant. He buys her and says, you're my wife again. That's who you are to be to me, and that's who I will be to you. I will show you my love restored completely to that place of restoration and that fellowship and that relationship with me. Restored because of the Father's love, because of the husband's love for his bride. Oh, we see that in Jesus Christ. God does not come to us, love us, and then say, now you're second-class people. You know, you really messed up, and so I'm going to kind of hold you at bay. Now he restores us to beautiful, full fellowship with him. At the end of chapter 1, we have these few more hints of, of restoration. Verse 10, after the children are born, Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. In the place where it was said to them, You are not my people, it shall be said to them, Children of the living God. And the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered together and shall appoint for themselves one head, and they shall go up from the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. Great the day of Jezreel. Jezreel talked about being scattered. But here, the prophet says there will be one head over the people, because Jezreel doesn't only mean scattered, Jezreel also means planted, secured. And God will raise up one ruler, his own son, Jesus Christ, who will then plant those people, secure them in a relationship with him. 
Chapter 2, verse 1, say to your brothers, you are my people. And to your sisters, you have received mercy. The restoring love of God pictured in the prophet Hosea. Hosea, the prophet of God's love. Kids, when you think of Hosea, think of marriage. Yes, a marriage that would be broken by the wife's sinfulness, but a marriage that would be restored by the great love of Hosea for his wife. That's the picture we have here. Our own sin breaks that relationship that we have with God, but He, in His Son, Jesus Christ, is faithful. His love endures forever. We read that again and again in Psalm 136. He is faithful to restore the relationship. He loves His bride, the church. And it is that loving husband who calls tonight, who calls us to to by faith enter into this loving relationship, to know the love of, of a husband who will not reject us, who will not let us go away, but who will restore us again and again and again. God calls us to put our faith, our hope, our trust in His Son, Jesus Christ, who has by His blood secured that restoration. Hosea. A prophet we don't turn to very often. A story that is, to be honest, rather ugly. It's an ugly story. But what a beautiful picture of the love God has for his bride, the church. May we lead tonight rejoicing, having heard Hosea, the prophet of God's love, knowing that he will not leave us, he will not forsake us, but he will again come, show his love again, and restore us in our relationship with Him. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we are amazed at the love You have for us in Your Son, Jesus Christ. Oh, we confess we are far too much like Gomer, who would leave, who would go our own ways, who would reject all the blessings of belonging to You, and yet you, in your love, come, and, and in Jesus Christ, you have paid the price to buy us to be your own, and you've restored us to fellowship with you. Oh, Lord God, thank you for that glorious love, a love pictured already in the Old Testament, a love fulfilled in your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord God, thank you for your love for us. Help us to live every day as your loving bride, serving you, living with you forever. Accept our praise, for Jesus' sake. Amen.